afternoon. Welcome back to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans, the live show, season two, episode five. I go by the name Neo Nix, and it's January 18th, 2021, and I'll be your MC for the shenanigans today. Today's show, we have another TLS Spotlight. Joining us today will be Micah Payne from the Black on Black Cinema podcast. Then in Hot Topics, Lizzie Enders will tell us about Charles Barkley insisting on preferential treatment for sports athletes, getting COVID vac <laughs> getting the COVID vaccine. Gianni Storm asks what role pop culture plays in politics. And Robbie Rock talks about Nancy Pelosi's reactions to the attack on the Capitol. Should be a really great show. Before we get into it, let me introduce you to our wonderful hosts, our professor, writer, editor, journalist, and all-around sports guru out of Washington, D.C., Liz E. Enders. Who, me? Me? everyone. Happy Sunday, fun day. I hope you all are ready for this potentially hectic week ahead of us. Um, but before we get into the shenanigans going on into Washington, D.C., hopefully you all will take time tomorrow, Monday, January 19th, and honor the incomparable Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. His birthday was on the 15th, but na nationwide, we will be celebrating him tomorrow. Yes, yes, definitely. Now, are you all set for all those festivities down uh, down the street from you on Wednesday, Lizzie Enders? Yes, I made my drizzly order for my liquor. Actually, no, my liquor store on friday so i stocked back on liquor um went to the grocery store yesterday so i have all of my groceries um the locks on my door work all of my knives in the apartment have been sharpened so i'm ready i'm ready let's go uh, let's, let's do stuff. it not the right. knives <laughs> <laughs> and our very no, own Gianni, hey gianni everyone who knows me personally knows i sleep with the butcher knife underneath my pillow no joke. Been doing that for almost really? two decades now. So I'm ready. Yes, butcher ma'am. Butcher knife. I think okay. take some tips. <laughs> well, not a regular yes, kitchen knife. You go with the butcher knife, huh? Butcher knife. <laughs> <laughs> I have to be ready. Got to be ready. I'll just grab an axe. Just grab an axe and you'll be all set. <laughs> all right. And our very own rock star with the amazing rock band, Fallen Machine, coming to you from Sudbury, Ontario. Robbie Rock. What's up? What's up, everyone? Happy Sunday. It's a wonderful weekend. And uh, wow, it's, it's hard to follow Liz's energy. So much going on there. And yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, uh, I think it's amazing that uh, people will, I hope that the celebrations for MLK are going to be peaceful. I hope that they, uh, it will be, yes, <laughs> I hope that it'll be peaceful. I hope it will be done tastefully. Are you guys still in lockdown, Robbie Rock in Canada? And how are you uh, Jose holding up? We're holding up well. We're holding up well. Um, I know that the emergency order that was put in place uh, a couple of weeks ago has now been extended for another 30 days um, as the COVID numbers are still pretty high during the second wave. Uh, Canada's main issue is just not having the ability to produce the vaccine uh, domestically. So we're purchasing all of our doses. Um, there's been some delays with the booster shots for some segments of the population, which effectively renders the first round of vaccination ineffective. So we don't have resources to waste like that. It just needs to be a better implementation policy. But Joe and I are faring well. We're doing all right. So uh, quick question to all of you guys real quick. Is anybody else having uh, problems with their family talking about taking the vaccine? Complain they're not gonna take yeah. the vaccine? 
No, not me. Not that I know of. Um, I got some family members a little, a little off talking about. Surprisingly, and <laughs> not going to take the vaccine anyway. Surprisingly, all right. All right, and streaming from Atlanta, Georgia, our model, actor, college student, Gianni Storm. Hey, everybody. Um, happy Sunday. I hope everybody's doing well. It feels like January kind of like went in a flash. Like it was just, right? if shenanigans is right out the gate, right with what happened on the 8th, I think it was the 8th, or the 6th, 7th, whatever. The 6th. But yeah, so everything kind of happened so fast. I feel like January is almost over. Yeah. Um, so I would just say everybody enjoy the days as they're falling by and just enjoy every moment that you can. Yeah, so, let's have fun today. So how are you holding up with your busy life, Yanni Storm? Um, I'm still holding, I'm still trying to learn how to organize creativity and work and and being a social person in my personal life. So it's, I'm still juggling that, but it's, it's going well. It can, it's be going hard. Well. it can be hard to juggle all those things. So, all yeah, right, guys, yeah. I have a quick fire question for you guys today. Great news. The NRA, National Rifle Association, announced that they are filing for bankruptcy to reorganize. So my question is, what are they going to do now? Go, Lizzie. <laughs> they claim they're moving to Texas. So I say, listen to Martha and the Vandellas. Nowhere to run to, baby. Nowhere to hide. <laughs> Robbie Rock. <laughs> Really, they're just a despicable lobby group that they've corrupted American culture and enabled the proliferation of small arms in America. So really, so long, cowboy. Bang, Johnny bang. Storm. Bang, bang. I love it. Gianni Storm. Um, bankrupt. I, they're not really broke. They're just going to go deep, deep, further south and set up shop. So we'll see from them again. They're weakening, but we'll see. We'll hear from them. I'm just going to say peace out. Now, for those that don't know... <laughs> The NRA is a gun rights advocacy group who will continuously support gun rights regardless of their impacts, including mass shootings, shooting of children, shooting of black people. So let me ask you this question. Do you guys think that this bankruptcy will make a difference at all? I know Gianni Storm was just mentioning that. What do you think, Gianni? Yeah, I think they are losing more influence um, and power, or their influence and power is going to a certain, just a certain group at this point. So I think they're weakening. Um, they're weakening as a as a nonprofit. They're a nonprofit, right? I believe uh, they so. are actually reorganizing to a nonprofit. Oh, I got Ron okay. Freeze. Ron Freeze on TikTok saying, "Down here in the country, we keep our guns." Uh, Ron Freeze. All right, Robbie Rock. What, what do you think? Will it make a difference? <laughs> Um, I, I don't think it'll make a difference because unfortunately America loves its gun and guns and blowing shit up. So if anything, it's going to create a vacuum. If uh, they step away, if they do go chapter 11 bankrupt, someone else is just going to step in and fill those shoes and lobby. Okay. And Lizzie. Also, too, it should be noted that they are also running from a lawsuit in the state of New York. New yep, York that's what they're running from. Yep. Filed a lawsuit in August accusing the NRA senior leadership of violating laws governing nonprofit groups and using millions of dollars from the organization's reserves for personal use. So mm -hmm. that's what they're really running from. That's why they're really filing bankruptcy. This really doesn't have much to do with how much money or profits they are potentially losing. They're trying to stay, they're like Trump. 
They're trying to stay out of jail, basically. <laughs> I don't know. Let's hope Trump does not stay out of jail. All right. If you've never been to TLS before, let me tell you a bit about us. Our hosts will be sharing their truths and opinions with you, calling out the lies out there and pointing out the ridiculous shenanigans going on. And we always try to have fun with some shenanigans of our own. Our show streams live just about everywhere, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, Twitter. And this season, we're streaming live on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitch TV. Just search at TLS Live Show across all platforms and invite your friends to hang out with us. Also, make sure you subscribe to the audio replay of the podcast on iTunes, Google, Alexa, Pandora, iHeart. You'll find us wherever you watch or listen to podcasts. All right, guys, let's jump right into it. Today, we have a special guest spotlight, and the spotlight is on Black on Black Cinema. All right, today we have Micah Payne from the Black on Black Cinema and Nerdpocalypse podcast. Hey, Micah, welcome to the live show. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, Micah, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us a little bit about Black on Black Cinema. Uh, I am a, I'm a nerd uh, that, that <laughs> likes uh, movies. Nerds are great. Uh, and, we love nerds. And as nerds, as nerds are wont to do, we start podcasts. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've... Uh, We've been we've been podcasting uh, since 2011, and uh, oh, wow. we've been doing black on black cinema since 2012. Um, and yeah, we we started it. Uh, we started podcasting out of spite. We were we were listening to someone else, and uh, my partner Jay and I. Uh, Jay came to me and said, "Dude, I think we could do a better job than this person." <laughs> <laughs> and then that's how it started. That's how it started. That's a cool way to start. That is a good way to start. <laughs> a challenge. <laughs> so, so let me ask you. So, what? What's we? we see, I hear black on black cinema. So, what specifically is that? So we, um, the the podcast started uh, in 2012, where me, Jay, and a couple other friends of ours, uh, we were just talking about. We were taking a dump on like a Tyler Perry movie, mm -hmm. and we were like, <laughs> we should we should talk about this on on a podcast. Uh, and then we noticed that there is a, a, a certain lack of representation when it comes to uh, uh, mainstream reviewers, critics reviewing specifically black film or, or film uh, dedicated. To a, a more African American audience, I get a sense of what you mean. I, I've seen some reviews where I'm like, I don't know if 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 it were a, the black community, you know. Commu I always actually go to if I go to Rotten Tomatoes, I actually look at the reviews and yeah. see what the fans are saying because I know a lot of reviewers are looking at it from their lens and they don't get it. They don't get the nuances of 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 something like a Get Out, for example. Exactly, exactly. If if they even review something like that, right? Like, it usually has to be some sort of prestige black film for someone to, 
you know, take the time to review it. Right. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. and we wanted to, we wanted to spotlight movies. We wanted to spotlight those movies, but we also wanted to spotlight movies that people just kind of like and, and, but may not get the love and attention that, that, uh, that other movies might get. Okay. Do you have a question, Lizzie Anders? So, um, a lot has been made about, of uh, the idea of what genre black movies, black writers, black cinema should be about. So my first question to you is, do you have a particular favorite genre for black cinema? Something that you think that we should like just jump on and keep, you know, the train moving and going or something that you would like to see more of in black cinema? I would love to see uh, more black sci-fi. Um, okay. Black people, yeah. like we like we like all the stuff that everyone else likes, right? But you don't see us represented in a lot of sci-fi. There's a there's a very famous story of Will Smith turning down the role of Neo in the Matrix, and because he's just like I don't I don't know what this is. Mm. But if you know if if more of us were to be in black sci-fi, maybe he would have taken it. Maybe it would have been different. Um, I, doing this podcast, I have, uh, seen quite a few black exploitation movies now, <laughs> and, uh, some of them are really great. And like some what? of them like... just, you know, I love three, the hard way, three, the hard way is <laughs> like the first, uh, three, three, the hard way is like the Avengers. Oh, but you're talking of, about like, oh, when you say black exploitation, you're talking the straight from the seventies. Are you talking about remakes or like? updated version oh, I'm, talking, I'm talking like i'm talking like foxy brown I'm oh talking, yeah yeah, yeah. and three the hard way like the is, yeah the Mac, <laughs> yeah like that um and yeah three the hard way was really great um i i do i do enjoy the prestige uh black film uh but usually prestige black film involves a lot of black pain um which i understand people don't necessarily want to see all the time but it is it is important because it's a part of our history and and movies help keep stuff like that alive uh I, you would rather see that in a movie than read it in a textbook for some reason i i that, that's how people are but if you can get to people through movies you can keep those stories alive mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you have a question gianni Storm? yeah um what would you say constitute a black film or a black movie great question so it's producers, one of those things actors, what are you talking yep. yeah it's yeah. it's one of those things where um you you kind of know it when you see it but i usually i usually we we have a a, a loose a, a loose criteria but first and foremost the movie should speak to a, a black experience uh i think that's very very important um I think the movie should star a black person, right? The black person should be in a starring role of some sort. Uh, I would love to see more black producers um, uh, in film, but something that speaks to our experience as a, as a culture um, I, I, is what we qualify it as. And sometimes, you know, we get a little we get a little loose with the definition because sometimes, you know, we want to, we want to review like four brothers, right? 
Like that movie has nothing to do necessarily with black love culture. Four Brothers was a great right. movie. But, but we love that movie. Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. I love that movie. I thought it was a great movie. <laughs> we did it on Black on Black Cinema because it stars Andre 3000 and Tyrese. And that's what I'm saying. Two. I know. I'm with, I'm with Lizzie's face on this one. I mean, cause, cause Gian, that's, that's a good point to Gianni's question is like, Gianni's question is valid in that, you know, what are you calling black film? You know, that, that's, that's actually a very good right. question. But we don't, it's, it's, it's not a lot of, it's not a lot of that. Right. Okay. Like yeah. we, we have a lot of, you know, we have fun movies like the last dragon. We have serious movies like 12 years a slave. We, we run, we run the gamut. Okay. So Z Girl, um, one of our former hosts on the show, she just posted in the Facebook thread. Yeah, Z, Z Girl. With The Last Dragon. We're going to have to get her to guest host. Oh, The it, Last we, Dragon. We did uh, The Last Dragon. It was one of the first movies that we did because I absolutely love that movie. And uh, and yeah, we think it qualifies. Great movie. I love it probably for the same reasons. I love it because my girl Vanity is in the movie yes. rest in peace um so yeah i love that movie love it black women My, love it because of tyrak so booty tang is she just right booty tang do you count booty tang as a uh, black cinema we, we did booty tang we reviewed booty tang <laughs> oh, really? That's so we're getting back to the low bar jackson black season with fred williamson black season with fred williamson a cult classic all right robbie Rock, we haven't you have done a black season yet I have a couple of questions, but the first one I have for Micah is, uh, well, I guess a little bit of context. I'm, I'm from Canada, so I've, I'm north of the border. Um, but I'm curious, which films would you recommend to someone like me who wants to educate themselves or learn about Black culture in America? Great question. Oh, I got I, I just want to point out, Robbie Rock, I mean, Robbie Rock, as part of this show, has really tried to work on like understanding what we deal with in American black culture. So, I mean, he's, he's excellent. I mean, he's excellent. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the good <laughs> No, that's not. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking it, I was thinking it. I, just didn't think. um, I think, um, I think that our show is for everyone. Um, I think that if you are, we have a, we have a, quite a few, uh, non-black listeners. Um, and I think one of the episodes that I think would help you kind of understand the black experience is a film called The Watermelon Man. Um, it's it's uh, an older movie, but it's about a white man who's an insurance salesman. He's a bit of a bigot and he's proud of it. And one day he wakes up as a black man and he sees how every how how life treats him differently even though he's the same guy it's a it's a very very good movie it's a melvin uh, uh melvin van people's movie it's very very good do, do you do series as well um we don't do too many series but we have done like uh, love when they see Country? us what is it called uh we have we've done when they see us when they see uh, us uh -huh. the ava uh -huh. duvernay series yep. and right now we're in the middle of small acts which is on amazon prime mm -hmm. it's steve mcqueen's uh, anthology film series about west indian londoners yeah. in the 60s through I've the seen 80s a few of those i've seen quite a few i've seen about three of them personally i think how many is the total yeah 
Uh, there are five. We reviewed the first one, Mangrove, and yep. uh, the next couple of episodes. Oh, Mangrove is wonderful. It's I haven't seen movie. that one. I saw the second and, and the third one with uh, when they were dancing in the reggae, and and then I think the other guy with the police officers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah, were, we're both review... of them. Both of them were pretty good. I don't know, the second was a little a boring to me. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. Just jump. Um, in. Do you do you think that you would start? Um, reviewing like indie filmmakers or like independent yeah this but like smaller um black films if this um like if you run out of content or run out of i'm not sure if that's possible but like <laughs> run out of black films that are known but um would you digress to a different form Randy, any kind absolutely of absolutely because part of this is to expose our listeners to films that they may not be aware of um and and i have yeah we have no problem uh we we review things like pariah which is a film by d reese mm -hmm. uh which is uh about a a woman kind of coming to terms with mm -hmm. the fact that she is a lesbian and mm -hmm. and we we review we will review anything okay um, well, I have another question for you, Micah, very quickly. Um, there's been a, a debate in the Black community about, again, the genre of films that are involved with Black cinema. And you often hear a lot of people talking about the fact that they are sick of slave narratives. They are sick of movies that are about um, slavery or the Underground Railroad or things like that. So what is your take on that, especially as, you know, tomorrow we celebrate Dr. King's birthday, but we're also moving into February, which is Black History Month. What is your take on the idea or the concept of a writer, a Black filmmaker, a Black screenwriter who still feels that they have a story to tell about that period, whether it be pre-reconstruction, post-reconstruction. Like, what do you think about slave narratives, slave movies? Or do you think, like some people say, we need to be done with them 100%? Uh, I don't think we need to be done with them. I, I, I think that uh, it, it's a part of our story. It would be like saying, uh, you know, we can't have military movies. Like it's a part of American history, right? Like, like, like I and I and look, I understand, especially in the times that we live in now, where where black people feel like they're just being beat on and beat on and beat on. Mm -hmm. you, you you don't want to rush out to to go see yourself get beat on on screen because look, as as bad as it is now, it was way worse back then. Sure. And but at the same time you know movies resonate with people and movies like uh detroit which was a very hard watch it was a, it was an incredibly hard movie to get through 12 years a slave an incredibly hard movie to get hard. through selma an incredibly hard movie to get through but i think having those films be out there is very important Mm -hmm. uh, and it helps people who wish to understand, like, like, like Rob was saying, if you want to understand, you're more likely to watch a movie than you are to pick up a book. Like, it's just, it's just how it is. Right. Um, I, I, I want to end, I want to end that thought with a quote from, um, from, uh, Steve McQueen. Uh, we, we mentioned this on the previous episode that we just did. 
he says the window for our elder stories to be told is closing and we can't allow them to pass away and become our ancestors without them seeing themselves, their culture and everything they've contributed to the country represented on screen. And that right, that quote right there says it all as to why these type of films need to exist. Right. And um, I agree with you 100%, especially since, you know, I'm a professor at Howard University, so I'm dealing with freshmen, freshman English, mm -hmm. and you'd be surprised the number of young people who, one, they are being educated in systems where they do not, are not being taught about black history, about mm -hmm. historical moments in American history. So they're not very familiar with a lot of these narratives, but also they kind of have, uh, okay, whatever, that happened a hundred years ago, that happened 200 years ago, so it's not really right. that important. And it's like, no, so then I do need to show you this movie so you can put exactly. everything in context and realize yeah. where we are, why we yeah. are where we are, and how far we have to go so i agree like you don't have to watch a slave narrative you don't have to watch a movie about slavery but to say that we should stop making, making them, them? i ridiculous. totally disagree with totally all right robbie rock let me get your last question then robbie rock excellent so when i was listening to your podcast uh micah i it's, i need to ask when you are calling out white people um are you referring <laughs> to u.s americans or is this an international compliment? And if it is an international sentiment, why? So I, please. That's right, because white Americans, well, Canadian Americans, European, I mean, one, Canadian Americans, <laughs> Canadians, <laughs> Europeans, they're, you know, it's Canadian all different. Americans. It's all different cultures. Yeah, so I'm just. That's a good question. I've, I've, uh, I've been to Canada. I've been to Montreal. It was very, the white people there, incredibly nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we uh when we are taking people to task uh and we do it for ourselves too but when we take people to task uh it is a general thing um we i've only been overseas a few times so i don't have an incredible amount of experience interacting with with folks who uh with with folks from uh, you know across the world but Primarily, we're we're talking about black uh, white Americans because like that's who we see. But at the same time, you know, uh, I'm sorry, white people have been you know they they've been doing a lot of shenanigans all over the world. Good choice since, of words. Since the beginning of time. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we but we also understand because we got a we got a a comment from someone who was uh, from another country. Person's name is Taylor, and you know, they were a bit upset because they felt like, you know, I think they took it a little personally. And we explained to that person that, no, we're not speaking about, we're not, we're not general, we're not speaking about all white people, right? That would be ridiculous. Um, but I like to say that, you know, white people need to get their house in order. There are a few folks who are messing it up for the rest of us and it's true and it's true and it's gonna and it's it's gonna come it's gonna hit harder if people like rob tell you know bigots that they need to stop mm -hmm. if if i tell a bigot that they need to just chill they're gonna they're a bigot they're like ah get away from me <laughs> but but we need we need people on our side and i firmly believe that there are more righteous people in this world 
uh, of all shades than there are of bigots. 100% uh, agree. It's just, that, it's just that the bigots are really loud. All right. <laughs> and we gotta and we gotta shame them. All right, let's. Uh... And we sometimes we try to do that through film, some uh, you know, through film and the podcast and stuff okay. like that. Let's really quickly get to a few of these comments online because we're really out of time. But um, Karen Yvette Thompson said the slavery themed movies are sometimes hard to watch. However, it often inspires to keep moving forward and not allow the past to be repeated. Leica says uh, I think there's room for both historical films and light storytelling. Uh, Mike Winter says nobody is talking about Lovecraft Country in this thread, or did I miss it? I was actually going to bring up Lovecraft Country because, um, I mean, there are some incredible themes, uh, black themes, in that in that show. That's why I was actually asking about the series. I was interested to know if you were if you do series because Lovecraft Country was a great one to review, along with like Watchmen and stuff like that. I Lovecraft Country, Lovecraft Watchmen, Country, so all I can't comment on it. Right. Oh, I yeah, I highly recommend it. Unfortunately, we are out of time. So, Micah, are there any last thoughts that you'd like to share? Tell us where people can find you. Uh, tell us where they can listen to the podcast. Uh, also, again, he's also on the Nerd Apocalypse podcast. So, go ahead and tell us, close us out. You can go to blackonblackcinema.com. We have a list of all of our episodes there. You can go to facebook.com slash blackonblackcinema. You can join our fan group. We have a lot of fun, talk about movies and whatever else is happening in the black community. You can go to youtube.com slash black, <coughs> excuse me, slash black on black cinema. COVID. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at black, black on cinema. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Micah, for joining black us. We're going to, we're going to invite you back and maybe, uh, maybe we can do a regular segment or something, Micah. So. Um, yeah, thank you for joining us, Micah. All right, thank you for thank having you, me. Micah. I really Great. appreciate it. Good luck on everything. Thank you. See you. Thank you. All right, guys, it's time for our hot topics. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Each of our hosts brings a hot topic they want to share with you. We'll ask, is it a truth, lie, or shenanigans? And our panel will talk about it for a bit until the time is up. And then we'll go to our audience questions and comments. So make sure you're talking to us in all of our threads. And today we're going to start off with Gianni Storm. You're talking about the effects of pop culture in our politics. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Um, this is a little bit of truth and a little bit of shenanigans. Okay. Um, a recent article about pop culture and politics talked about how many of us probably feel we need a break. So this posed the question in my head, um, should pop culture and politics mix? Uh, on one hand, there can be good things that have come from entertainers and celebrities voicing opinions and everyone should have their right to speak up. On the other hand, we need different shenanigans to talk about. So. Or at least we need like new conversations to speak about, new things to talk about that don't tie back to politics. Right. So pop culture has always played a major role in shaping the public's opinion, society's political activity, and even shaping our government. So my question to you guys is, do you think it should be important that we recognize the role that pop culture plays in our political life? Let's, uh, yeah. let's go to Robbie Rockwell. What do you think, Robbie? Um, I 
I think that it shouldn't be dismissed um, because unfortunately people love their entertainers and seem to think that these are intelligent people. While some of them may be intelligent people and have backgrounds in politics or legal matters. Um, I'm thinking, for example, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura's opinions on politics would hold more clout than Carl Weathers. They were all in Predator together, but Weathers, yeah. two of them have run for office, have held office. So I, I would I would listen to those entertainers before I would listen to any any other cast member in Predator. You, but it's you're um, not feeling you're not feeling you're not feeling celebrities kind of. Uh, I'm kind of tired opinion. of it. Yeah, like I mean, they're sharing their political opinions. Yeah. They're not political experts. And from from a marketing perspective, I get it. It totally makes sense for politicians to get these celebrity endorsements. It totally makes sense because these are the people that have the most reach. And I think that that's more an indictment of the people than pop culture and politics. People are drawn to that celebrity status. Americans have been voting in entertainers for decades, decades. Absolutely love that star power. And unfortunately, as we saw with the last administration, star power doesn't mean effective leadership. Mike Winter said, not yeah. predator politics. <laughs> Lizzie Enders. Um, so I think one we need to recognize and, and keep in mind that this is a free society. And so everyone, whether they be the common man, a politician, a homeless person on the street, they have the right to voice their opinion, including their political opinion. And I teach, for the School of the New York Times, I teach a class over the summer called Sports and Politics. And people often say that sports figures should not be in politics. They should keep their political opinions to themselves. They should essentially shut up and dribble. And my comment, my retort to that is, well, do you tell the plumber that he should just shut up and fix my sink? Mm. Everyone has a right to mm. voice their opinion about politics. And when you live in a society where now more than ever, people are putting their opinions, putting what they think, putting what they believe, endorsing who they believe on social media, there's no way to escape it. And so we can't just say, okay, you over here, because you are not, you know, a celebrity, because you're not in Hollywood, you're not a singer, you're not an athlete, you over here have more of a right to say how you feel about a certain candidate, to say how you feel about a certain issue than the regular person who isn't a part of that life. That makes absolutely no sense because it, at the end of the day, politics affects all of us yeah. and in a free society we all have a right to turn it off yep. we all have a right not to listen and so i mean yeah does it get tired you know i mean my segment is going to be on charles barkley and you know his asinine comments about <laughs> covid do i think he's absolutely wrong obviously absolutely yeah. however i don't think that he should just shut up and never talk politics again yeah. um because he he has that right you know living in america now if we were in you know a communist country if we were in north korea then yeah you could shut you could say athletes celebrities pop culture people shh. but we're talking about opinions here we're talking right. about, we're not talking about people who are putting setting policy. We're talking about opinions here. And everyone has a right 
to bring yeah. their opinion to the table. All right. So I just want to, I think Mike Wolf is sort of agreeing with you, Robbie, but uh, he says it was definitely a mistake to elect the host of Celebrity Apprentice to be president. <laughs> All right. Now, I'm actually. We didn't let him be president. People elected him yeah. as president. That's so. true. They put him in power. All right. Uh, so these are my thoughts, real quick. So I love that pop culture affects politics, actually. So if you look at late night TV or award shows, particularly now, um, I think that's why we were able to get over the hump with Trump was because of that influence. I mean, um, if you look at a, there's a large number of TV shows and movies that incorporated the Trump era into their dystopian views of the world, right? And then, you know, and a lot of films were made um, because it was relatable to the Trump era. So there's a lot of films, a lot of TV shows that were made. I mean, you think of uh, Star Wars, there was a lot of uh, stuff in there, like Klansman, The Handmaid's Tale, and, and I'm sure our audience can probably list a whole bunch of others. Um, but if it wasn't for the constant berating of Trump in pop culture, I'm not sure we would have gotten 80 million people voting for Joe Biden. Because if I'm being honest, I would say at least half of them were not voting for Biden, but against Trump. So do I think that pop culture is important? I, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, I'm all for it. Also, too, I, so Jacqueline Robinson, just in our comments, you know, she also brought up a good point about the 50s and the 60s. Several Hollywood celebrities participated in the March on Washington in 1963. And so pop culture provides a voice for the common man. We may not always agree with what that voice is saying, with what that message is saying, but again, that's what happens in a free society. Now, Neil just put up this picture. So this is a cover, um, the most recent cover of Vogue magazine, Vogue America, US Vogue, of Kamala Harris. And so there was a lot of back and forth about um, the layout for this, how it looked visually, that she was too casual, that she had on sneakers, yeah. that she wasn't glammed up like most uh, Vogue covers. Um, but I think the whole point was to highlight the fact that she isn't a glamour queen. Right. That this is the Kamala Harris that is going to be second in line to POTUS here mm -hmm. in this country. And that's how we see her every single day. And I don't, honestly, I don't want, you know, Anna Winter messing up, you know, Kamala Harris and putting on some glam gown on her where she feels uncomfortable, whatever. Like, show her as she is and let her speak to us. And of course, she had the AKA colors in the background. I'm gonna try not to offend any AKA members that may be watching the show this afternoon. Um, but that was a lot, that, that, that cover garnered a lot of talk, a lot of, you know, chatter yeah. on social media over the last week. You have like 15 seconds, Johnny, go ahead. Um, that's a question I had too to you guys about, um, do you think that, okay, it's good to talk about politics and pop culture, but do you think that a lot of the talk is about stuff like this, Liz, like insignificant things, like Kamala's um, outfit for the cover of Vogue? Like it's not, you. the opinions are usually on small, minute things and they make them big things. So that's why I feel like right, politics and pop culture is cool, but. All right, Lizzie, 30 I seconds. I also have to remember that we have a lot of, you know, narrow-minded people here in this country and so sure. people who may not 
be in tune with Kamala Harris if not for this cover. Um, you know, they don't care about politics or whatever, but they care about Vogue. They care about the fashion industry. So they see Kamala Harris and they're like, oh, let me check her out. Did you have any so, thoughts, you know, Yanni? Yanni, did you have any That's thoughts true. you wanted to share, Yanni? Um, no, just that, just that mainly people are, uh, in, when they do have an opinion about politics, it's, it's not really educated. And not saying that it's like, it's just an opinion. You know what I mean? They're just gathering from different media sources. All right. Let's get to some of these comments online real quick. So we've got Kevin Thaxton says, actors, singers, major athletes were used by the government to make folks support both world wars. Famous folks are fair game. Mike Winter says, get her mom. Counting on your soror. I, I guess there was some, there's some conver- I think there's some conversation <laughs> going on in the background that I'm yeah, missing. Sherry Blaine Priest says, good topic, Johnny uh, Storm, and good point, Neo Nick. Uh, Zuleika yeah. says, uh, opinions are like a-holes. You know the rest. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, that's it for that hot topic. Thank you for that topic, Johnny Storm. Let's move on to our next Truth, lies, shenanigans. All right, Rob B., you wanted to talk about Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? Um, it's truth and holding shenanigans to accountability. Uh, Nancy Pelosi spoke of just this Friday. And, Neil, do you have her image? Excellent. So I just want to read her quote. Um, I find this to be a very emotional time. I said to the members, we're very passionate to our reaction to this assault on our democracy, on this temple to democracy. We're passionate about our reaction, but we must be very dispassionate in how we make decisions to go forward for security, security, security. As I see many of the film and the incitement of it all by the President of the United States, but as you see the film, one figure, there were so many disgusting Im- images one figure of a man in a shirt with Auschwitz on it. Auschwitz. And there's there's more that goes to it, but I like that it's the crux of it. Um, and when she wraps it up, so yeah, to see dehumanized, the, the dehumanization of people that was perpetrated there was so overwhelming to see this punk with that shirt on and his anti-Semitism that he, is bragged about to be part of a white supremacist raid on this capital requires us to have an after action review to assign responsibility to those who are part of organizing it and incentivizing it. Mm-hmm. I think very powerful words. So my question to my co-hosts is that we have seen a rise in public displays of white supremacist movements in the US over the last four years. Is this time for lawmakers to be taking a more aggressive stance on stamping out hate groups like the KKK, the neo-Nazis, white nationalists? The list goes on and on. But is this the time for lawmakers to really be aggressive on stamping out these hate groups? Liz. Okay. Um, obviously, the answer, I think, to that is yes. But the question is, will they? Again, we have a lot of lawmakers, particularly, you know, senators and congressmen here in Washington who were on board with the protests, who were on board with, you know, trying to say that this was a fraudulent election. There's still questions, though, if if they let them into the Capitol, if they were 
or if they if they let them uh, view the Capitol beforehand to kind of get a um, uh, to, to, to take on the very, the very um, widespread picture of Missouri Senator Joshua Hawley. You know, before the certification process started, he marched into the Capitol, walked right past all of these protesters, and no, at that point they had not yet stormed the Capitol, but they were on the they were on the grounds right in front of the Capitol with all of their racist rhetoric, with all of their anti-American rhetoric, with all of their signs, their Confederate signs, and the Auschwitz T-shirt, and he gave a fist pump to them. Yeah, he gave a fist to them. Yep, he did. And so. I, yes, I do believe it's time for lawmakers to get on board, but before they do that, they have to choose country before party. They have to choose country before party. And that was the biggest problem with a lot of these people, with a lot of these lawmakers on January 6th. They went in there, they were thinking about, because I don't even think a lot of them even really believe in what uh, Donald Trump says what he believes, what he stands for, his ideology. But the fact that he is a part of the Republican Party and their constituents voted for Donald Trump, they are, you know, panning to their party base. And so they feel like, okay, I can't speak out because then I'm going to lose votes. And so we have to get back to the point where we are thinking more about the American people than your political office. So Representative, I want to jump in. I, I'll, I'll let you go next, Johnny. But Representative Ocasio, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, put out an Instagram post where she said that um, she was scared that the uh, white supremacists in the House of Representatives were going to give her up and turn her in. She was scared for her life. This was an Instagram post that she put. Out. Um, I was actually tried to pull the video, but I had trouble with the video, so I couldn't, I couldn't add it to here. But she put that out, and she was scared. On top of that, Nancy Pelosi had another, um, had another meeting with some of her constituents in San Francisco, and she said, I thought it was, this is quote, I thought it was going to be an epiphany for those who were in opposition of our democracy to see the light. Instead, it was an epiphany for the world to see that there are people in our country led by this president for the moment who have chosen their whiteness over democracy. And she yeah. said, that is what this is about. I mean, but can you go back? Who was that that said that they were scared for their life? Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. So AOC, when she said that, what, do you know what Ted Cruz's response to that was? What was that? He called her a liar. He called her a liar. He tweeted out that she was a liar. So this is what I'm saying. We have people who are choosing their political affiliation or choosing their fan base because he couldn't come out and say, I agree with you. I too was afraid for my life because we were in the same building. They were in the same building. They faced the same threat, but he couldn't acknowledge that. Again, he went at her, called her a liar, a bunch of whole other names. And so it's just like, okay, yeah, these people need to get on board, but they're not ready to lay down their political ideologies to do that. Yeah. All right, Johnny Storm, let you get in here. Sorry about that. Um, no, it's okay. So Rob's question, your question was more, should the lawmakers make more aggressive stance on um, 
finding these white supremacists, I feel like they should have, like piggybacking off of what Liz and Neo said, have more of a direct action. Like there should be a plan, not even just a plan, like maybe we need to hire more FBI, black, Hispanic, Asian, mixed, whatever, um, FBI agents or like Intel or something like that. So where we can have an organized group to find these white supremacists. I feel like they outnumber the people that are in the black people that are in the jail systems that have done things like selling weed or selling a gram of like stuff like that. So I feel like we can replace them. <laughs> but I don't know. I just I feel like there needs to be more direct action rather than we we can plan, but it has to be something following that. Um, so does like you, are you saying that reform? So like uh, if we're talking reform of the justice system, are you saying that there should be more white people in jails than black people? Because currently it's the other way around. There's more black people in the in U.S. jails than, than white people. Is that what I you're don't, saying? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that, like, if it's right, like, if there's more white people that are doing more wrong than those black people in that jail system, and that happens to be the case, then yeah, but not just saying there should be more white people. If there are more white people in this country, then it would make sense for that to kind of percentages would matter more, right yes but um i don't know that's the question is kind of loaded because it's like it asks why haven't we done something already with white supremacy like yeah that's what is question. the plan like i mean so if we're looking at the 60s it's certainly gotten better i mean but not much obviously when we're looking at 2020 um but robbie rock what were your yeah, thoughts and your question well, I, I wouldn't know that it's necessarily gotten better because as I was diving into it, the number of hate groups or listed recognized hate groups in the United States has grown tremendously. There's, there's more flavors of it. And while I've called out a few uh, white, uh, pr primarily white groups, hate exists in all colors. So I'm talking about all hate groups. Um, and there just needs to be more aggressive distinction. There, there needs to be more aggressive laws on the books uh, when dealing with this. Um, Neo, I don't know if you were able to get something together with the two links I sent you at the last minute. If not, I will share them in Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no problem. Um, so I'm going to post two links up in the Facebook feed right now. And essentially in Canada, the NDP party is uh, looking, is, has started up a petition for people to lend their voice to stamping out these white supremacist movements in Canada. In the US, uh, the Anti-Defamation League um, is more on board with that. And it's uh, there's just some valuable information. If you want to be involved, you can be involved. And please go check out those links that I provided on the Facebook feed and uh, lend your voice to a good cause, stamping out hate. All right, let me get some of these comments in. So uh, Zuleika says, uh, we need to get rid of political parties altogether. Um, Gary Winter said, why get rid of political parties? Uh, but Kevin Thaxon says, other countries have more than just two political parties, and that's very true. Um, and Mike Winter says, and pluralist governments suck. <laughs> they cannot do anything. <laughs> eh, that, that, that's not a... <laughs> Hey, you might be right on that one, actually, because uh, they, they do they do struggle <laughs> trying to get something done. <laughs> actually, you might be right. Um, Ade says AOC speaks tr AOC's video speaks truth to power. Um, also, 
Z Zuleika says, I'd be okay with more than just two. Either either or has not been working. Um, the, problem with, the problem with creating more parties is, you know, people talk about it when something big happens, but we never get serious about allowing a third, fourth, fifth party to come to fruition. It's the same thing you hear when people talk about their, um, how they do not like the electoral college. That conversation, getting rid of the electoral college, that conversation happens uh, nationwide every four years. And it needs to happen. In between, between, no one's talking about it. There's no movement. The average American doesn't even know how how it works. You're absolutely right. So if we're going to get, like, we can, you know, make it so that they're not just two parties in this country, but we have to get serious about it. Be about your business. Mm-hmm. Be about your business, people. I'd love to see a moderate party. Um, there were a couple other comments. Uh, let's see. Zuleika says, has it, oh, in agreement with Rob B. Rock, has it, Neo? Has it? Has it when I said, has it got, it's gotten better since the 60s? Oh. <laughs> and then Rob, and Mike Winner, <laughs> Mike Winner also agreed, uh, Rob B. beat me to my typing skills. <laughs> yes, I've won the first game. <laughs> All right. I think, I think when people think of it's gotten better is that we don't see people walking around getting in hoods white sheets anymore. Right. But what scared although we are getting lynched me about the the riots last week is to after the fact see all of the members of law enforcement, of military, of Congress that carried out these same beliefs that we need yeah. to overthrow this certification, that it's okay to put a noose out on the lawn of the Capitol. That was like, ridiculous. These are people that are supposed to protect They had to build so that. They had to build that shit, by the way. They had Thank to build you. it. Thank <laughs> and nobody stopped them? Or, or you know. they didn't build it on site. They had to carry it to that location. Crazy. And, and it was okay for some reason. I, this... I'm just completely. So, I, was, yeah. so no, I, I don't think we're that much better than we were in the '60s. It's yeah, just you guys you know, have. You guys have made me. I mean, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely people right about crafty it. how they hide. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and then again, Trump just brought them out, so they they came out from the shadows. All right, let's move on to the next hot topic. Truth. Good topic, Robbie. All right, so Liz E, your boy. Charles Barkley is talking crazy again. Is this truth, lies, or shenanigans? These are terrible shenanigans. Terrible. Terrible. So we're talking about Sir Charles Barkley, you know, um, in former NBA star, Hall of Famer, current NBA analyst on TNT, um, but he also does a lot of basketball commentary as well. So on Inside the NBA last week before um, a game, they got into the conversation about COVID vaccines. And Charles Barkley made the statement that he thought athletes, and not just NBA athletes, athletes across the board, professional athletes in this country, whether it be NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, they should get preferential treatment when it comes to access to the COVID vaccine because they pay more in taxes. And his co-hosts, Kenny Smith, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, Ernie, they all kind of disagree with him, but in my opinion, they didn't disagree with him. They didn't hard enough. I agree with you. 
Um, but my question to the, the panel and also to our guests, how do you feel about this? And I, and I think, obviously, I think that a lot of people are going to be in agreement with this, but Charles did bring up a good point in the tax argument in that there's a special tax. I didn't say I agree with the point, okay, go ahead. But, but there is a point that he's trying to make. One, Charles Barkley does not articulate his uh, ideas very well. That's true. He's not a good public speaker. So a lot of times when he's trying to get a point across, he gets lost or he trips up on what he says. Is it wrong? Yeah. Um, But there is a jock tax in this country for professional athletes, which means that in addition to paying a regular tax on your income, if you are an athlete, you also pay a tax in the state that you go to to play a game. So let's say, for example, you play for, um, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you play in this, you, your team is in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. but when you go to and play a game in a state outside of Pennsylvania, if that state collects income tax, they can also tax you as well. So that's what he's talking about when he says that they they pay more in taxes, but there's a lot that goes into that for the common person because the percentage based on income still isn't fair. For me, so the problem again, was prefer- the words preferential treatment. That's where the, where he kind of slipped up for me. Of course, yes, yes. And even when, you know, Kenny Smith said, brought in the um, economics of it, mm-hmm. Charles kept saying, I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about taxes. But the taxes, taxes? right, <laughs> with money. <laughs> the more money you make, the more taxes you pay. <laughs> you don't. He's not paying his taxes with heads of cattle anymore. Exactly. Maybe he is. You know, Maybe he is. So my question to the panel is like, in in the big picture, what do you feel? How do you feel about his statements? Who do you want to start with? We can start with Rob. Cool. Um, careful, Sir Charles. Your privilege is showing. The, the vaccine really needs to be made available to the essential workers before the entertainers, regardless of their tax bracket or the additional taxes that they have to pay. Uh, medical workers, educators, grocery, retail, frontline workers, um, the trainers on the team, uh, people who are doing the maintenance on the stadiums, these people need to get it in tandem also if you're going to prop up the entertainment industry. But these are entertainers. Um, and when we're talking about the frontline workers, they're exposed to countless selfish individuals who refuse to mask up. And that's daily. Um, yeah, I like these, to me, these are the people that need it most. Those who are working two jobs or more just to get by. If you're getting paid millions of dollars to play a game that you love, I'm sorry, it doesn't give you any additional privileges. The privilege is that you are getting to live this life already. You are leading a life of privilege. And if you have to sit back for a couple of years while this pandemic flattens out. And and let's point out, they have the privilege of getting like these regular tests, COVID tests, the rapid tests, they get them every day. They they have the privilege of being able to um, pay for special treatments. Like I'm sure a few of them probably have access to President Trump's special cocktail. So I'm sorry. Go ahead, Gianni. <laughs> special cocktail. 
Um, no, I like that Kenny Smith, I think his name would pose the question, should players get, um, like, should, should they get special treatment when it comes to life or death? So, I mean, that question should have just been the theme of the whole thing. It's, it's like, it should, of course, be only set for the people that need it first. Um, if, if this was a, like a scenario where there was only 10,000 people on Earth, are you going to get it because you have more, you made more money in your life than I could because you know how to dribble a ball? Like, it, it doesn't make sense. But um, I understand why he would say that because they're in that atmosphere and they feel like, as sports people, they feel like these are, so to speak, the gods of this, and this field. So I can understand why they would say the players need the are the should be the first batch and all of that. But I do I feel like if we're speaking societal, like all of the all of the fields, we're not saying like um, musicians are uh, Drake and Jay Z and, and Beyonce should be the first because they rich. provide so much. You know what I mean? It's it just it's, it's like the same of that. It's it's to the same likeness of that. So I do feel like the whole there should not be a hierarchy. Yeah. There shouldn't so, be a hierarchy of vaccinations, except if it's necessity, if you need it. So, you know, Lizzie alluded to this, but let's be clear who we're dealing with with Charles Barkley. Of course, he's one of the 50 greatest basketball players. Well, he's on the list. I don't know if I believe he's one of the 50 greatest basketball Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> he's been arrested multiple times. What's knowledge right now. He's been arrested multiple times. He was uh he was cited for spitting on an innocent girl in a crowd in 1991 when he missed spitting on someone else who was calling him racial slurs. He agreed with the Zimmerman verdict. He uh he threatened to hit a female reporter in 2019 claiming he was just trying to make a joke. He defended the cops over the killing of Brianna Taylor, speaking in favor of the cops and saying her her death is comp is not comparable to some of the other recent deaths that happened in the country due to police brutality. And, and then he, he threw a man out of a window in a bar after he claimed he threw ice at him. Also, in 2014, Barkley said that unintelligent blacks in American society are brainwashed to put street cred ahead of success. Not that I totally disagree with that, but the point is, this is the person we're dealing with. So when he says something stupid like this, Lizzie alluded to the fact that sometimes he has these ideas and these thoughts in his head and they just don't come out the way he was thinking them per se. <laughs> um, and they come out really um, offensive. Um, so, yeah. But I would, I mean, first and foremost, get back to that quote. Which is all just, wrong um, still. But get back to that quote that you just highlighted that he made about un unintelligent blacks. Right. Who is he yeah. actually referring to there? Like, does he consider himself to be an intelligent black man? Great point. Because <laughs> mm. he's not. <laughs> he, did not he did not graduate from Auburn. Again, he went. Oh, he didn't Auburn. graduate. He did not graduate from Auburn. If again, if you listen to him, that's not really intelligent conversation that he's putting out into the atmosphere. So I wouldn't necessarily consider Charles Barkley an intelligent black. Man. <laughs> he's a rich black man. He's a black man who has made uh, has had a lot of success in his field, but that doesn't mean that he's intelligent. That he's smart. Yeah. And, you know, Charles Barkley um, has always considered himself or represented himself as a Republican. There was a time where he wanted to, he's from Alabama, 
So there was a time where he was talking about running for governor of Alabama, and he was going to do so as a Republican because Republicans are rich. But Charles Barkley comes from very humble beginnings. You know, he wasn't middle class growing up. He wasn't upper class. He would have been considered, you know, lower class. And so if you think about it, growing up Charles Barkley in Alabama, if the COVID virus had taken... Um, had come to fruition back when you were growing up, you wouldn't have had access to it based on your criteria. The mm -hmm. athletes of that time would have gotten first dibs before you. But also consider this. He's talking about, okay, because these athletes make more money, even though he says it's not about money, these, these athletes make more money, therefore pay more in taxes than the average person. So do team owners. The, yeah, that's the right. Owners, the they make more than the, that's true. Make way more than these athletes, so they would get first dibs over the athletes that you were talking about. Like we got to be careful about the rhetoric that we use when we yeah. insert economics into um, medical procedures, into safety issues. Because right now he's sounding like yeah. a very racist, very prejudiced white Republican who hates poor people. And I'm not just saying poor black people here. Charles Barkley is talking about, in this scenario, poor people in poor general. People. Yeah. Poor people are the ones who are at risk most right now, especially in certain cities, in certain states in this country. And he's saying, forget them. They poor. They're not paying what they need to pay in taxes, so they shouldn't have be first in line for this medical treatment, even though the numbers are high in their area. They are dying. They are on ventilators. They are the ones that are in hospitals. Even though, yeah, we have athletes who are um, testing positive, and that's because of league failures. Yeah. Athletes are testing positive. Athletes are, are experiencing some symptoms, but it's not what we're seeing in communities right. that are being hit hard. Yeah. So you want these privileged athletes who have access to the best medical care. And the relative country. immunity. It's not immunity, to, but they, 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 their symptoms, they tend to, the more, the healthier you are, the less, the more symptom free you tend to be. Um, and so you're saying you want these people to have easier. better access, to have more privilege to a COVID vaccine than the average person who could be in need. Now you're talking like a very wealthy mm -hmm. right winger who oh. thinks that the more money you make, the better your life should be across all fronts in this country, especially right. in terms of access. Right. And I'm yep. just like, Charles... The more you sit up there and talk this clown stuff, the more you sound like the person that you say you aren't. Let's close this yep. out. So, Rob B, you got a couple of, tell them, Rob, you know, hand claps on online. <laughs> Some people like what you had to say. Uh, looks like Ade and Zuleika. All right, um, Kevin Thaxon says, kick rocks, Barkley. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Derry Winner says, we may be seeing them even as they walk down MLK Boulevard. Not sure what she's referring to. Um, Ade says, Barkley is off the deep end. Gary Winter says, he has not changed. His comments and behaviors are not new. No, uh, they're not. I've interviewed Charles Barkley before. Like, they're not new. Like, the first time you meet him and you talk to him, he's funny. He's personable. He's charming. But then when you start to listen to the nonsense that comes out of his mouth, you're just like, okay. 
You're the C word that I can't say on this show because Neo gets offended, but that's what you want. <laughs> Um, and <laughs> TikTok gets offended too, by the way. So I don't want to get kicked. Athletes paying taxes. Let's not talk about the number of athletes that have been taken to task by the IRS because they don't pay taxes. Like, let's be clear. There are a lot of athletes that are cheating the government right now. Cherry Blaine Priest says, Robbie Rock said it well. Frontline workers and people with compromised immune systems need vaccine ahead of anyone. All right, let's close it out on that. Great hot topics, guys. Great hot topics. Truth, lies, shenanigans. Let's get to the cheating game. Are we going to the cheating game right now? <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're going to see. Hold on. Let's see, we, let's see how we do. All right. As you know, we love to end our show with a fun game just to end it out nicely. So, of course, it's not working. <laughs> we, we, might, we might have to switch games if this doesn't work hold on it's, all right we're gonna have to come up with another option because this is just blowing rocks right now. we can play we can play never have i ever let's do it let's do it i'm gonna let you lead the i'm gonna let you lead it you ready five fingers up everybody okay let me close this out hold um on. and the way you play is you're supposed to say something you've never done, but don't cheat and say something like I've never lived in Canada or something to get Rob out. So you just want <laughs> you just want to say something you've never done, and the person who gets their hand down the the all the fingers down the quickest is out. Um, the last one standing, last one with the last finger standing wins. All right, ready? Okay. Go ahead. Wait, oh, you start off. Again? Five fingers means what if 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 i said if i say something that you've done put your finger down go ahead okay never have i ever smoked a cigarette who's next neo go ahead, robbie go ahead, robbie Rob. oh Rob. never never ever have i brewed hard liquor brewed it or distilled hard liquor. <laughs> oh, if we have done it, hand down yeah, if we have, have done it, right? All right, Lizzie. Bring it down, yeah. What you got going on over there, Gianni? Woo! <laughs> Wait, brewed hard liquor or like took a shot of liquor? Oh, di distilled. Made it. Made oh, no. it. That That's why I was like, what? Johnny making liquor? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Lizzie. Okay. Um, never have I ever. Let's do three fingers, by the way. Three fingers. Let's do three fingers because we don't have enough time. Never have I ever punched someone in the face. <laughs> so we'll take it down if we have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Never have I ever gotten into a physical <laughs> fight with a family member. <laughs> never have i ever self-defense self-defense self wait so if i did it <laughs> yeah okay if i did it i don't put a finger down no, if you did it you put it you should you, you're not supposed to tell on yourself you're supposed to like help yourself oh but if you right. hit some okay. yeah if you fought somebody <laughs> in your family um never have i ever ran over a deer 
Okay. Does a dead deer count? Yeah. Wrong. I'm out. Wrong you. <laughs> so never ever have I struck anything larger than a squirrel with my car. That's I'm good. Try. I have Fair enough. Lizzie? Never Lizzie. have I ever worn counterfeit designer clothing or apparel. <laughs> you've never worn, so Lizzie, you've never worn designer, nothing other than designer? I've never nope. worn fake shit, no. Oh. <laughs> I would have been. I would have been out. I'm. I'm way out the game now. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Jihani. I'm out. Never have I ever wore at my parents or mother or father. Well, parents. <laughs> oh, my bees out. I'm out. <laughs> All right, Lucy. Oh. Um. Um. Can I pass? No. Maybe you guys can do one. Like Neo, you can do one for us. Yeah, Neo and Rob can do one for us. Um. Never yeah. ever have I had a white Russian drink. <laughs> you should have left the drink off. <laughs> Never ever have I ever had a white Russian not drink. Okay. <laughs> I, I can't see. I'm trying to see. Never. Oh, still up. Okay. Hey, Robbie, give her another one. Go ahead. Uh, never ever have I attended a professional wrestling match. Like WWE. Oh, I actually have. All right. That's so that means Lizzie wins the game then. Oh, wow, so oh, you have? Oh, so it's both of you. So how does it work when both of you? No, we both lose. Nobody wins. Okay, well, we're going we're gonna... <laughs> to... I'm giving it to Gianni. Gianni <laughs> hasn't had a final thought for a bit, so we're going to give that to Gianni. <laughs> good job, Gianni, and good thought in the game. Way to, way to come in through. Come in through. That was clutch, clutch game. I love it. I love it. Before we close up, close out, let's get some shout outs in. All right, let's start with Gianni Storm. What, what shout outs you got, Gianni? Um, shout out to Bro and Jose, because we haven't shouted you guys out in a long time, but you guys do great work and we appreciate you for all that you do for the squad and the crew whatever we call ourselves so thank you jose and thank you ro yeah ro was uh was moderating the uh instagram live today and and johnny you did a great job on the uh the tiktok live moderator yeah. robbie rock uh i want to give a shout out to our girl z thank you for your wonderful participation it's wonderful to see you and there was no cheating you know what? I'm going to have a cheating tantrum. The girls were cheating. It was their game. Was their game. <laughs> they cheated. They blinked my power out. That's what happened. They blinked my power out. Somehow they sent some vibes and blinked the power out. We miss Ms. Z. We miss you, girl. We do, Ms. Z. 
We need Z yeah. to come back and guest host at least one show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lizzie, shout out. I want to give two shout outs to my New York peeps. One is to my former New York hairdresser, Miss Marna Girl. As you can see, I am on shrug. Um, if I could, I would come visit you up in New York or I would fly you down here, but I'm trying to make it work. And then also a shout out to my goddaughter, Miss Savannah Lee. She will be 19 in a week, but also she is a freshman at Carnegie Mellon up in Pittsburgh. And she is moving into her first apartment this weekend. Apartment, they're kicking them out of the dorms after the first semester due to COVID. So second semester, all of the freshmen are moving into apartments. So she's moving into her first apartment this weekend. Nice. Love you, girl. I'm going to be sending you a package. Aww. <laughs> Aww. I just want to point out before I say my shout out, Kevin Thaxton called me a Bambi basher. <laughs> 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 My shout out goes to MLK, Martin Luther King. His birthday was on the 15th. We're celebrating it tomorrow in the U.S. So that's my shout out for the day, Martin Luther King Jr. All right. That is all the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank you all for joining us. We hope that maybe you learned something, gained a new perspective, or even got some things off your chest online. Don't forget, we need your support. Keep this going. Like. Follow, subscribe at PLS Live Show. Make sure you're checking out our YouTube clips. Go to YouTube at PLS Live Show. And don't forget to subscribe to our audio portion of the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Alexa. Just search Truth, Lies, Shenanigans. It's that simple. I had a fun time tonight. I hope you did too. Our next live show is on Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Don't miss it. We're going to be talking all about that crazy inauguration. Whatever goes down, we'll be talking about it. So we want to hear your thoughts if anything crazy goes down. And our winner for today's show, Gianni coming through in the clutch with the great game. Gianni Storm, you get our final thought of the day. What's our final thought? Close us out. Um, final thought of the day is me mentioning actually the CLS Creative Contest. So I will just drop details and promotion tomorrow. You guys will see it on your social media. But yeah, um, we have a new contest for two flash shenanigans. So stay tuned. All right. So take a look online. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Have a great week.